All right, everyone. Welcome to Small Talk. Appreciate you listening tonight. Uh, appreciate you downloading Small Talk at Apple and Google Podcasts and Spotify. We uh, we left off last Thursday talking about the George Floyd incident, and we Reggie. I think you had just seen the video prior to coming onto that conversation, and I think I might have just seen it that that day as well. It was really fresh in our minds on last Thursday. Uh, I've posted that podcast. Uh, in fact, I think it hit today, uh, and it uh, is titled George Floyd. So. If you haven't listened to that, you can go back and listen to it. I I don't know about you, Reggie, but I feel like it's been an absolute eternity uh, since Thursday. Does it to you? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't don't know if that's just because I've been glued to the television the way I have. I did get away from it a little bit, thankfully, on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, Got to go paintballing on Sunday with my uh, uh, family and and, a some friends and man on, uh, on Saturday, um, was able to get out on the Harley and ride a little bit with some friends and just get away from it. Man, I really needed that time. I think to just turn off the television, certainly every night I've been gravitating back towards it. So, uh, I really like to get, uh, your thoughts on this situation. Like where's your mind at now? Cause, cause you and I have had some conversations and I think that I told you the other day, I have no hope. I have absolutely no hope in this situation. <laughs> I remember. Right? Yeah. And I, I, and I then, it, yeah. And you were trying to give me hope. And then what's interesting is that yesterday I started feeling a little bit hopeful. And I think you were texting me saying you, you've given up all hope. It's like, we're going back and forth. We're going back and forth. So, so maybe, uh, maybe we can, I would really like to end tonight on the things that potentially can give us hope in this situation. And I will tell you that I think that, the fact that uh, you are uh, you are my brother, man. Uh, mm. We are very good friends, um, and uh, care a lot about your family, and it, uh, that gives me hope. And and I feel that I feel that same love from you, and I that gives me hope. So if nothing else, there's there's at least that. So uh, love to see that Glenn has joined us, and uh, and Chuck is watching from Columbus, Ohio, right now, and. Uh, Reggie, tell me where your mind's at since last Thursday when we when we logged off of here. Um, tell us kind of what what you've been through. How's your thinking evolved on the situation? Because it, it, it's really close to you, and we might have some new people that are watching tonight. Uh, it, you need to know that Reggie is right there in the thick of things. Reggie lives in the Twin Cities, so Reggie, tell me where your thinking is at this point. Um, despair. Um, uh, I don't. I'm not even angry anymore. It's more so like um, apathy is not a uh, the appropriate word, but it it, it, it I need a synonym for apathy because that just seems too strong. And what do I mean by that? Man, how can it ever get better? And so I was blessed last week because I had so much work to do. I wasn't involved. I mean, I didn't really watch much of anything. And I still have not watched that full video. Like, I'm still finding out stuff by, from different folks, right? I mean, like, and then you hear things on the news and things like that. But the part that really gets me is um, just how political that man's death became within two days. Like, first day, everybody seemed to be in agreement. That was horrible. That was like 
inhumane. That was everything under the sun. And then, I mean, you know, if it's bad, it was it. And then the second day started happening and, and, and people were still kind of, they were still in the game. Right. And then the third day and you know, all the, 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 the looting and stuff started taking place and then people shifted gears and they started talking about, you know, um, well, they just stopped talking about him and they started talking about the riots themselves. Right. And for me, it just seemed like, okay, I get it to a lot of people. That's a realistic thing because it was such a, uh, it just seemed, it is unnecessary in a lot of ways. And it just seems like it's not going to lead to anything other than just instant gratification and, and a lot of other stuff. Right. And, it, and I hear things on the news because by the weekend, I actually had some free time. Right. I had my son really hounding me to be able to get out of the house and go protest somewhere. And I didn't want him to go unless I could find a safe place. Cause what people don't know, what's not really reported. I mean, it is, but at the back end of the sessions, there's a significant amount of people in this community, especially a lot of black folks, but really it's a, a complete like combination of people that are doing positive things. Like from the, from the very beginning, that that um, protest that took place over the third precinct that you know the one that ultimately burned down, that was a it was an energetic one where people were yelling and screaming, but they weren't attacking the cops. But yet the cops were on the roof shooting rubber pellets at them and and ultimately decided to start tear gassing them during a nonviolent protest. It may have seemed like it was on the verge of doing something, but you can't make that assumption. And yet when they were out front during the day, right? The cops were on you. There's video of this from on the news. The cops were on the roof with guns shooting rubber pellets at the people who weren't screaming. I mean, who weren't tearing down stuff and wasn't burning stuff. And did you know that that was the case? No, I didn't know that. And so I'm glad you clarified during that, the day, because the only time that I saw the precinct come onto the television was during the evening time, like the leading up, it was dark outside yeah. leading up to the fire being set. So you're saying this was during the daytime. I, I would imagine that sometime during the day, they, they, they put up some fence and maybe yeah. some barricades, something around it. And then by the evening time, there was already fires and whatnot set all over the over the place on the news that were showing this, and um, and then finally the the third precinct went up in flames. And and I will I actually surprised myself, uh, Reggie. This is this for me. My thinking this was uh, this was just as surprising as the my frustration at people saying all lives matter when people say Black Lives Matter in light of all this. I, I, I really didn't care that they burned down the precinct. I quite honestly, I really didn't care because I felt like if you're going to be at war with somebody, at least go light the thing on fire that you're on war at war against. Remember yeah. me telling you that a few days ago on the phone. Mm -hmm. um, I told you that I told you that to go tear up a jewelry store or tear up the target or something like that and burn it down. Well, why are you upset at target? I mean, Maybe there's reasons, and I think you could probably share some. I think we actually have talked about some, not necessarily Target, but just economics. But if you're at war with the cops, okay, go burn that down. Uh, if France bombed the United States, why would we retaliate against Spain? <laughs> remember my response? I do remember your response. We, we won't go down that road right now. 
<laughs> I will just say here for all okay. the viewers of Small Talk, uh, Reggie had a very pithy response to that, and it was quite good. Can I share uh, it? Please go, go ahead, man. Because I, I know you, man. You ain't gonna lighten if up. France bombed us. Why are we gonna go attack Spain? Well, Saddam didn't have nothing to do with 9 11. We was all up in his chest. So, I mean, that that, that, that don't fit for me, right? And, and here's the thing for me, though. So, the, the, the looting started happening, the riots and stuff started happening. And then you're seeing videos posted of people that don't look like George Floyd and obviously have no care for a black agenda. And they're the main ones starting the fires. And they're the main one cracking windows. And yeah, people ran up in there and, and got what they did. That was stupid. That, that makes, makes no sense to me. I ain't about to take nothing that don't belong to me and everything else. And then, but then it turns into a political discussion. Minnesota says it's, it's white supremacists, but then the, the, um, the other like not the non-liberal folks have to counter with no it's antifa let's just be clear don't matter which side of the fence they come from it's still people that don't look like george floyd who have no care about black folks or their agenda who are the ones who antagonize that situation i don't care which side of the fence you came from you still don't look like him you obviously don't care about the black agenda or you would not be the one setting things off I mean, I've seen videos, pictures of people that I trust, not not some meme that they created, but folks that saw other people from out of state that don't look like George Floyd and obviously didn't have any indication of really, they didn't have Black Lives Matter shirts on, let's just say that. So they didn't, didn't seem to be promoting some kind of reparation of Black agenda. They were the ones who were the main ones starting all the drama. But yet, who cares what side it came from? Can't we stop and realize that that's a systemic problem? Yeah, that's a problem. And can I can I just back up before I forget? I want to um, agree with you on one thing you said. You said that you see the peaceful type protest like it's the last little cutesy story at the yeah. end after the news has show, showed you 58 minutes of death and mayhem. I finally see last night. I don't know. You all know if you've listened to this, I, I watch a lot of MSNBC news for whatever reason. I've actually enjoyed, I shouldn't say enjoyed, I've thought their coverage of what's happening in the streets has actually been on point. Yeah. Yes, you do. He's been on, like, the. I'm very impressed with MSNBC. They got my love now. Yeah, I don't necessarily care for that guy, but uh, there's there's some uh, some other younger reporters that are just getting right in the thick of it, man. Like they're younger than me. I, I wouldn't want to be out there. I mean, but anyway, so I'm watching 58 minutes of death and destruction. And finally I see a protest that was looked very solemn and peaceful. Reggie, I don't know if it was in, um, at like city hall in St. Paul, or if it was in Minneapolis, I don't really don't know, but it was, it was beautiful. I'm like, why can't we see more of that? So here's the other thing that I, I just want to say is that I think you and I came to some agreement yeah. that on this political spectrum, there is Antifa. Let's talk about the white folks right now. Mm -hmm. There's Antifa way on one side, and then there's maybe, I don't know if we're right on this, Reggie, but this is what we agreed on. And then on the other side, there's some other white folks on the other side of the spectrum that we might say are white supremacists. And to your point, when they're all out there in the street mixing it up and burning things down, it really doesn't matter who's who. They don't look like George Floyd. Now, 
what what happens is the politics takes over and this is what's frustrating you and me i think is that now there's this big blame game to say well that's on the left or that's on the right yeah and let's hold somebody accountable there's no escaping that because it's just it is it's politics it is politics now i have to think that if there are a great many protesters out in the street who are black if the white supremacist uh, idiots came in there, it seems like they would be mixing it up with each other more than locking arms with one another to tear stuff up. That That's just, maybe that's not the case, but that's what just intuitive knowledge tells me that's what would be happening. Um, but it seems like there's a lot of working together to, to burn stuff up. <laughs> and... Uh, amongst the races, right? It, it looks like they're doing that. But I wish I could see more of what's happening in the daylight, the peaceful stuff that's going on. There's a lot of images out there that could leave the American people with hope right now instead of despair. There's a lot of cops that are laying down batons in cities and speaking to protesters and marching with them and together. I mean, there's a lot of great images out there that have given me hope, but that media, man, I'm telling you, it's just nothing but despair. But even beyond the media, let's look at the at the, the life on the ground. I got a friend. His, his performance name is Cross. He's a uh, hip-hop, um, a Christian hip-hop guy. He got a club, I mean, an organization called the Man Up Club. That man led about 10,000, about well, maybe not that many. Let's just say 5,000 kids on a march that ended in a prayer. You didn't see that on the news? You didn't see that nowhere. I think he got a chance to be like somebody talked to him at one point, but you didn't see that on the news. There's a lady here in town. She, she's one of the first to jump to the aid in any kind of uh, civil rights. Her name Nakima Levy. Now, I ain't going to sit there and say I know her. I really don't. But she's been helping to organize, like Stephen Jackson coming to speak, who's best friends with this man over the years. She's been, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's no violence there. There's no, there's no aggression even. I mean, they, these people speak in metered tones, and they just simply speak to their, their heart and the facts of the situation. You don't see that. I see it locally here and there. I see it on Facebook when people go live, but you don't see that. And there's a, But what you will see is, any kind of abuse, any kind of hostility, any kind of aggression that's taking place, it lights up the screen, right? I mean, seriously, it, it, it that that's intentional. But what it's done is it's given a lot of people pause to reconsider their position, right? I mean, like I've, I've started out first of the week, had a lot of white friends calling me, making sure I was okay, checking in with me, asking me what they could do. And I appreciate that. God knows I do. If you're listening, thank you. About, about Thursday, Friday, I had some, not the same ones who wished me well, but other ones either posting stuff or asking questions in regards to like, um, well, why the, the, the rides make no sense. The rides have no purpose. All you're doing is damaging uh, people's livelihoods and this, that, and other. And I'm thinking, oh, do you realize a man died? And, and well, they, they stopped thinking, they stopped being about George. They're not talking about the George Floyd murder anymore. Well, I can tell you, and this is just my perspective, about day three, it, it, it wasn't, it was still about, he was the catalyst. George Floyd's murder was the catalyst for it. But then 
because it was so so much chaos and stuff going on, it became a forum for other people's pain and suffering, right? Like George Floyd died on the street. Like in the big, uh, what is the name? The rapper said it best. Like a, a zebra in the clutch of a lion. When yeah, I, uh, Killer Mike said that. Yeah, that blows me away because that is just so powerful and connected, and that is horrendous, right? But to say that the the riots and stuff take away from that, but then what's your focus? I mean, for real, like I, it's wrong for people to lose their livelihood. I can't imagine having started a business because I own a business, and at least mine's not really brick and mortar. But to have something that I put my heart and soul into. And, and that I, it's, it's my bread and meat. If I don't win, I don't eat. And to have done nothing to anyone and just some out of control rage take that from me, especially after I had to just lay down for two and a half months during this COVID pandemic, my heart and soul goes out to those people. I, it really does because their, their livelihood is gone. So I don't know if they had insurance, but who cares if they did or didn't? They put their soul into that. So I will never, ever sit here and tell you that the riots were good. I, there was some. There's a point in, in, in the time in my heart I was thinking, just burn it all down, right? But I would never walk up and condone that. I kept my son at home. I prevented my son from going anywhere near people who had any kind of ideation like that. And I talked to him about this and told him, that's not the way. There's got to be a better way. I mean, they absolutely have to. And yet the riots brought attention here. Can we, um, here's, here's my thought as you're saying this. I think that we're both okay with the protest. Yeah. Are you okay? What, so you tell me, what is the difference between protest and riot? Because I have heard this delineation in the media of being clear about saying protesters versus rioters. So for you, is there a difference? Well, I, I, appreciate the distinction because there are a ton of women here, a ton of men of all races who are putting food out there for folks to eat. Yes. I've seen that on the news. It's beautiful. Giving water neighborhoods are like coming together. Like never before. There was a, a lady who said she's spoken to neighbors that she's been around for years and never said a word to right. That those people who stand up, the people who were in front of the governor's mansion yesterday, they they're protesters. They have a voice. They, they're trying to find a way to be heard. The rioters, again, whether it's antagonized or not, it ain't going to serve us in the end. It, it just ain't. Because what it's going to do is backfire, right? People say that, you know, in the 60s, I've seen a ton of memes, but it's this beautiful image of Ma uh, Martin Luther King with a lot of other black leaders at the time walking arm in arm down the street. And they said, didn't break a single glass and change the world, right? I need to be, I, 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 but they don't show what happened minutes after that photo was taken of them being beaten and just destroyed, devastated physically. I'm not trying to make this about white and black, but let's be clear about this. The violence that was perpetrated against the protesters in the 60s is what kept the media's eye on them. The whole time, they couldn't turn away. It, it's, it, if it bleeds, it leads. It's been that way forever. So there was constant attention placed to the violence perpetrated against the actual pro, the nonviolent protesters. And because of that constant attention, it gained way bigger attention. 
Ultimately, it led to a level of embarrassment for the United States on the international stage, right? Well, the violence, even though that protest was nonviolent, it was filled with violence. Well, in this instance, I see somebody posted uh, the lady getting beat. Somebody need to find them boys and skin them alive, for real. One, why are you going to take off on somebody, period, just because they're trying to protect their business? And two, why are you going to take off on a woman? I mean, like you, oh, don't get me started. I told you I don't want to cuss tonight. So I, I don't condone that. Nobody would condone that. That's absolutely, that's idiocy. And it won't serve us in the end. But I will tell you that the attention that has been brought here to our state, because of all that stupidity and ignorance, and thank God didn't nobody really, didn't nobody but George lose his life. Because uh, we've, we've had some injuries. We've had some, you know, some assaults and stuff take place. But nobody, at least not that I know, reported has lost their life. Thank God. And yet that, that attention is going to lead to major change in the state of Minnesota. And what do I mean by that? My wife was just telling me a minute ago, they've announced basically a, an investigation into every state office, every state department to look for inequities, um, biases, you name it. Right. And, and another thing that was powerful about the attention that was brought to this state, I ain't going to speak about now another because I think what they do in the other states is an expression of whatever oppression they think they've been under. And it's still a stupid expression because it's going to backfire. It's going to, guaranteed. It's going to make people like you, Chris, Teresa, y'all going to find, you're going to find yourselves in, at, at, a, at a tipping point and there's no way you can lean in one direction. You got to lean in another, right? But one of the big things that is done for this state is it exposed the fact that the state of Minnesota is pretty much parallel with Mississippi when it comes to black folks. I know you've seen that on the news. Our reading levels for African-American males is abysmal. Graduation rate for African-American males is abysmal. The, the cost of, I should say, the wealth gap between Africans, I mean, people of African descent, the descendant of slaves, because I won't speak to the Somali community. I don't know about them. But this is not Reggie saying this. This is part of facts is equal to Mississippi, if not greater than. Did you know that before this riot? Did you know that before that man died? No, none of us did. I mean, I shouldn't say none of us because that's literally what Quest does <laughs> is address uh, educational in inequity. But um, so it, if there's anything that can be brought from this, it's got to be that it, it, at least let's find what's been exposed. Let's let's begin to address. Don't you OK, so here's here's where I have to take issue with what you said before the first protester or rioter, especially rioter. Mm -hmm. Let's keep it at the rider before yeah, the first. Yeah. Before the first window was ever broken or the first fire was ever set. This country was re was united around. We need change. We need change. This man and what happened to him is an absolute travesty. I have never seen the country more united. You couldn't find a person who was not united behind the, this cause. And then the first brick is thrown, the first fire is set. And now uh, you see Tanya's comment there that she feels like the race relations have been set back 50 years. Reggie, it didn't need to happen. We were all united. You've got me, your white brother saying, I don't want to hear not near one white person say all lives matter, blue lives matter. I don't want to hear that crap. Um, 
we were united, man. I'm still united by uh, George Floyd, but I, I said on Thursday when we signed off here that the thing that I'm afraid of the most is that we're not going to be talking about him anymore. Turn off uh, this computer screen, turned on the television, and there's a person commentating on a news program saying, you know what, this is not even going to be about George Floyd anymore. It's going to be about what happened in the streets. Reggie, we were united. We didn't need this to unite us. We didn't need this for the attention on Minnesota and the policies and all the rest of it. We, I think sometimes, Reggie, I think we just, there's a messaging problem or there's a, um, a, a, um, an issue where we just don't know what the issues are, right? Because when you talk about education issues, man, you know about that stuff and you get so deep into that that your normal lay person who isn't doing that every day in Quest, which is nonprofit you you um, uh, work in, when it comes to that issue, like we're lay people, man. Like you make a great case, but I, I can't keep up with it, right? It's like I need a bullet point. And 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 you'll do that every once in a while. Like when you said about Mississippi and the reading levels and all that. All right, man, I'm with you, man. How do we how do we make that better? How do we do it? It just doesn't take a woman coming out of her shop and being beaten with a two by four and a man coming out saying, leave my wife alone. And he's trying to, because what's happening is white America is looking at that. I'm afraid they're looking at that and they're associating that with themselves. I can't help but do that. I'm I'm looking at that woman getting beat with a two by four by young black men. And I'm thinking, what if that were my daughter? What if that were my wife outside getting beat like that? No more. It's no, it, that's, that's not different in any sort of way than you saying, man, that could have been my son with uh, a cop on his neck, or it could have been you with uh, a cop on his neck. We're just violating each other. And I'm just more bricks and more beating each other with two by four. It's just, man, to come back to show number one of small talk, it's just not helpful. When you said a tipping point, going to put people at a tipping point, can you just clarify what you mean? What, what is that tipping point? So, and I, 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 you know me, I got to get information. I, don't, I ain't trying to get it from the social media. Forget that. But I, I just tried to start looking through history stuff. And what I came to realize was, um, because I, I actually looked up the point, are riots effective, right? Because I wanted to know. I mean, everybody's saying they're not, they're not. Um, the the watch ride that was only effective in the sense that it changed some policies but it also created a huge divide within people when martin luther king was murdered there was a huge riot all over the country and what was reported at least what historians say is that that riot actually put nixon in office because people who maybe may have been on the fence people who may have saw took issue you know united under the, the, the flag of that was wrong, that was oppressive, that was horrible. Well, when the riot broke out, they ran away from that 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 subject altogether. So that's why I say the backfire. Like so riots they don't help actually. They really and truly don't. All they do is bring attention. And I'm saying let's use that attention to do something good. Right. I'm afraid that the attention has become so negative at this point that the goodwill might be it may just be spent and i hope i hope to god i hope to god it isn't i hope that you just had a lady type in here that it set race relations back 50 years Mm -hmm. and i ain't knocking you tanya i appreciate your honesty 
Bruh, so you telling me that all the good that people are doing here of all different kind of races, but especially a lot of black folks leading nonviolent, meaningful protests, stepping forward with agendas, like real talking points, real ways of resolving this with a lot of people supporting them. You you telling me that the media would help to redefine your, your position? When when everyone else, so the, the, the media don't matter to a lot of people. We always say that they're wrong, they're fake news, they're, you know, there's a multitude of, of like just disdain for the media itself. But this time, the media will redefine your position based on, we know that there's horrible things happening through in a lot of cities. I just saw this morning before I got online to teach that they shot cops in St. Louis. Like there's some horrible, horrible stuff going on that shouldn't be taking place in any way, shape or form. But my thing is, it's really, really, well, it's just a norm that we, we have to label the source of that instead of saying it's some horrible human beings doing stuff to folks who didn't deserve it. No, it has to be, it was some black folks or it was some white folks doing it to this. You know what I mean? It, 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 we talked about this before. It's liberals or conservatives doing this. The whole identity politics game. No, that's why I lost hope, like completely lost hope, because there is no way in po no way possible to get past this. We, we, we are done. That, that's just my thought. I mean, I, I, I pray in my heart that I'm wrong, but just prior, prior behavior is a great predictor of future behavior, right? We often say that. And history has just kind of played out. I mean, it, it shows us that this will backfire. Whatever intent they thought they might have had, whatever they was trying to do, yeah, you you just you, you screwed the pooch on that one, man. Because okay, so it, it's a let me yeah, let me ask you this, and and Cedric even brought this up. He says uh, systemic racism, and 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 it's something that I hear people say. Say, well, the system was made by white people, and that's who it's benefiting. And there's systemic racism, and this sort of thing. You and I both are probably pretty good at uh, our elevator speeches for the nonprofits that uh, that we uh, yeah. help help run. Yeah, I can so. I can knock you out in 45, I mean, 45 minutes, man. 45 minutes, I got you. <laughs> no, man, elevator speech. I'm talking about 45 seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if um, if you have 45 seconds, then let's say, in an elevator to say, okay, I'm going to get specific about this <clears throat> systemic racism <clears throat> and uh, the black agenda. See, th those are two big sort of broad generalized statements that I hear from people. And I don't think it means anything to anyone. Mm. Like I want to hear a bullet points. Okay. Here's the, here's the top three. And I'm not talking about feelings. I'm not talking about attributing malice to people when what we probably ought to be attributing to them is stupidity. Um, I'm talking about cold, hard facts. These are the ways that our system is racist, no feeling, just facts. And then factually, like what would be the top three or four or five things in that black agenda? What are they? 
you know, I think about like in our profession, I think about like the Attica prison riots, right? Those mm-hmm. folks rioted. They had like a list of 28 demands. Some of them were actually really legit and reforms had to be made. It seems to me like when there's reforms that need to be made and it's followed through, there are specific things that are laid out. We don't hear platitudes. We hear specifics. So that's a long way of going about saying it, but what is the elevator speech? I don't want to put you on the on the spot here. And by the way, I don't speak for all white people and you don't speak for all black people. No, not even close. Yeah, it, yeah. we're very, very different. But um, so what would you say, man? What, what do you say? How do we move beyond these platitudes and get to specifics? What are the specifics? Uh, that's a pretty like deep question. You asked me to pick out the top three. You know, you, I, I don't even want to put you on the on the um, I, I can give you some. Yeah, I mean, if you want to, for sure. I don't. I don't want to just put you on the hot seat. But uh, it seems to me that when this is the, these are the things that are, and maybe Cedric can um, actually type in some as well if he hasn't already. Uh, <laughs> don't be he he hasn't. I just I just scrolled up to where um, I could see. Just listen, my boy. Yeah, yeah. So um, I just want to hear what those specific things are because then when I hear those things and they're facts, Reggie, you know, man, I will I will do whatever I possibly can in my power as a middle-aged white man, no one's listening to, to, to be right there to, to help and lock arms with you and make it happen. So hold on. I, I, got, I got to take notes on that uh, so I can get back to no one's listening to you. All right. That, that's a valid point that I want to bring into this discussion. So we speak of, I mean, my, my brother put in there equity, equality, equality. I mean, equality, equality, equality. Well, that that when you hit him with that, William, I mean, not him, but just people with that, it's not it's not distinct enough. So you want evidence of racism? No, I don't want. I think that's I think that's probably self evident. Okay, my bad, my bad. So yeah, what, I, I think I think that? racism is self evident, and that uh, that that cuts. I'm talking about systemic racism. You want evidence of systemic racism? Is what you're asking for? Uh. Yeah, but I, to be honest with you, Reggie, what I'm, I'm most interested in are what are the uh, what are the policy prescriptions specifically that that we ha- we need? Because when I look at Trump, you you can make a good case. I'm not trying to make this about politics, all right? I'm really not. But if you look at the current situation, what this guy has done is he's given more money to historically black colleges than any other president. I believe. Am I correct on that? Or at least he's given a lot. During this administration, um, they signed a bill that actually um, allotted money to be included into the actual budget for the national budget to give a stipend to uh, HBCU. Very good. And I support that 100 percent. And I think the bill was sponsored by a a Republican, I think, out of Tennessee. And it was co-sponsored by a Republican out of Tennessee and a Democrat out of I can't remember exactly where. I'm sorry, I didn't think you were going to reference this tonight. But it was a it was it, a, a, a yeah, bi- okay. bipartisan bill that was sponsored by a Republican and a Democrat. And then um, Mitch McConnell actually had no problem getting it passed in, in the Senate because it just made sense. And ultimately, um, there was some big platitudes attached to it when they sure. when the came. Made sure there was some photo ops, but yes, yeah, absolutely. They, they, okay, they, yeah. I, I, okay. You, you can't get me to sit here and say no, 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 no. Listen, I'm. I don't want to. I told you I don't want to make it about politics. Okay. I just want to just give that as an example of something that I know is a poli- policy prescription. Yes. A um, it, criminal justice reform, 
right? We could find you and I, I'm sure can find a lot of issues within that as well. And, um, but, but it's something. Um, and then the, I guess the other thing is, uh, the, you know, the economy, you know, you looked at, uh, black unemployment being, or yeah, unemployment being lower than, than ever. And I, th I think it was lower for everyone, by the way. And like you always say, whatever makes your boat float, make my sale. I got that from my brother. There you, there you go. And I love that he's on here. Uh, watching. So those are like three things. So, so like that, that, those, I can see, I can wrap my brain around that and, 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 uh, and lead the charge with you and support that man. Um, but in I here, think, I gotta yeah, get, go ahead. I get in here. Yep. Cause you said that fine. Let me give you one thing that is proof of systemic racism. Um, whether it was in the South with Jim Crow policies that, uh, land, you had to be a granddaddy had to be a landowner, things of that nature. Or whether it was in the Midwest and in the North, where um, they had redlining and uh, deeds that actually directly said you cannot sell this home to an African. A lot of other people too, but every deed had an African or a black person in it, right? All that denied African Americans any kind of like stable wealth. In order to have wealth, you got to have possession, and and possession ain't just. You know, a Lexus is not a, a, a what do you call that? It, it ain't something material like that. It has to be something tangible that has long term value because blacks were denied that, not by some anecdote, not by some whatever. It created a severe disadvantage from the very beginning. I ain't got to ask you, is that right or wrong? This is facts. PBS in Minnesota actually did a full story on this where they actually talked about all of these different rules and laws that prevented black people from owning homes. And especially in certain areas and in the areas that they were in, they weren't really allowed to own a home, which is why you look at home ownership in the state of Minnesota for people of African American, African descent. And it's abysmal. Like, I think I don't want to misquote nothing, but it's like 15 percent. That's not because they didn't uh, lace up their bootstraps. That's not because they didn't um, do the right thing or they wasn't making the right choices. It was denied to them. It's also a fact that many lenders actually. When it comes to a loan, you and I can walk through the door together and we can have the exact same credit rating. We can make the same dollar. You're going to get a better interest rate than I am. And yeah. I'll even take it a, a step further. You've heard me do this a million times. If you and I both called a landlord and and uh, had a conversation with him about an apartment, you obviously sound different than I do. Uh, I would be more inclined to get the call back about the apartment. I don't deny any of that. So that I, don't, I don't I don't even know why. It, by the way, that's just that's what I'm talking about, Reggie. All that stuff that you just said is fact. It's history. It's fact. What do we? So the question is, you know, there was there was slavery, then there was emancipation for some people, not all, right? And then there's the Thirteenth Amendment, Fourteenth, Fifteenth. We got black codes. We got Jim Crow. We got all this sort of stuff. I, I think you got to talk to people where they're at in 2020 and say, okay this is where we're at because of that right now. This is the specific thing that's happening and this is the prescription for that and let's work towards it. So what's the prescription for that? Because well, no one's going to deny it. Right. Well, I, I'm, I'm not, let's say. I shouldn't say no one. I'm not going to deny it. All right, let, me finish. Let, me, let me get in there. Yes. First prescription of that is it starts with you, George, and people like you and people like Tanya and other people. And I ain't knocking y'all. So well, take it forever you're worth. I'm tired of making excuses and, and trying to put stuff <laughs> together. If you think that I got a problem with you, then God bless you, right? Kick rocks. I don't. What I do have a problem with is, though, there's some people who say that they are Christian. They're good-hearted folks. And I believe that. And they sit on the sidelines. 
Something I noticed, and I talked to you about this. I'm sitting in the living room one day. My brother-in-law's here from Wisconsin, and I'm going on and on about the inequities and all this different stuff in the state of Minnesota. And him and his wife are looking at me like, what the hell is he talking about? And would he please stop talking? They didn't have to worry about it. And in that moment, I realized white people don't talk about black folks the way we talk about y'all. And so while we sitting around talking about how y'all are us, white people don't even give a care. They don't even have that kind of discussion, right? So what I need as, as, as a way as a, of resolution is for those people, those good-hearted, kind Christians, I don't care what denomination you are, I don't care what political ideations you have, I need you to educate yourself on what the history is that created systemic racism. Because I think most people, when they get that information, they will go be above and beyond to start making some moves. Second, I need y'all to stop that that friend that's just cool, you know, everybody's straight. We go out, we have a beer, and every once in a while he'll drop a nigga, or, you know, he'll say some funny offhand colored joke. And it's one thing, but you also see him do some stuff and make some really com really bad comments about people of other races. I need you to confront him. I don't need you to punch him in the face. Actually, do punch him in the face, but that ain't realistic. I need you to tell him, stop. That's not what I'm about, and that's not what I'm gonna rock with. I need you to have some courage to stand up for me in those settings when I'm not there. Because that stuff permeates, that stuff perpetuates, it keeps riding, it keeps growing. And then before you know it, it just grinds, right? It just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Who just put that long thing in there? Wow. Okay, we're gonna get to that one in a minute. I need you to put a tagline in here though. Okay. Throw, so right, wait, no, stop. Put a scroll in here and say Reggie does not condone the riots. Because I don't want people to even remotely leave out of here with that discussion. But back to Oh, that. you want me to write that in the chat right now? Yeah, in, the, in, the, in the chat in the scroll, whatever it is. But so that's the one thing. Get up off the sidelines. If you got such a kind heart, if you got such a then learn what's really going on, right? It's still bad now, but we have we've come a long way. I ain't gonna say Listen, I told you that the violence of the riots in the sixties is what brought about the attention that led to the change. There's no way that violence would be perpetuated in the exact same way. But then you stop and think about a man just yesterday shot tear gas and pepper spray at folks because we made fun of him for going to the bunker and because he wanted a photo shot, right? So, I mean, I, I ain't gonna, I'm not going to compare it. It's like comparing Jordan's era to LeBron's era. Those two don't really go together, right? You can't do the same because it's different time and different things. Let's go back to it. So that's the first thing. Well, I, I, get it out there, Jordan. I don't want you to. No, it's just I keep seeing from from Cedric the black agenda should be. In I just keep seeing the black agenda the black agenda but, but we don't we just don't we don't it's know what it is and we it's want equality. to okay it's and so equality. what we don't under I, what I don't understand I don't understand I, I want equality for everyone man everyone now, everyone I think you I think equality to me is when you see lady justice with those scales and she's blindfolded that she doesn't see color that you we should be judged by the content of our character and that's it. And I see character in the people that are out there peacefully protesting. I see so much character in the family of George Floyd. I see so much character in you. I don't know Cedric, but from what I know of Cedric from you, I, there's character in Cedric. Uh, there, that's what I see, man. And it should be colorblind. And I've realized that that, that, it, that officer who now is looking at third degree murder, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it probably should be uh, second, and I think they could probably, with a good lawyer, make a really good case for first. But at, at any rate, he's locked up. I he he will be held accountable as long as they don't overcharge him. Quite honestly, I mean, if he gets third degree, then then it's still a life sentence given his age. But I want that blindness is what I want. I watched or uh, listened to Rush Limbaugh on the Breakfast Club. Did you hear this? Mm. Okay, I loved it, man, because it reminded me of what? Huh? Who was on there? Rush Limbaugh was on the Breakfast Club. Oh, that's pretty cool. It is cool, man, because it reminded me of conversations that you and I have. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then toward the end of that conversation, Rush says, well, let's do this again. And Charlemagne says, uh, let's see. Okay, and he wanted to talk about white supremacy. Let's do this again, maybe the focus on white supremacy. Charlemagne says to him, uh, not if we're going to just dance the whole time. If, you, if you're going to have an honest conversation with us. The man sat there for however long, and he had an honest conversation. Maybe he didn't like the answers that he got from Rush, but it was an honest conversation. So he said, he said uh, stop telling us things like white privilege doesn't exist, and you don't know what white supremacy is. If we could do uh, if we could do that, then yes. And so what I hear him saying is, if you'll agree with my points, then we can have a conversation. And then uh, Angela Yee, she 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 comes in and she says, I'm very into having these conversations, but uh, because I do think it's important for white people to acknowledge the hurt they've inflicted on the African American community. She says she's into having these conversations because what? Because she wants understanding because we can all come together and understand each other. No, she says, because I do think it's important for white people to acknowledge the hurt they've inflicted on the African-American community and be able to come forward and admit that we can't even move forward until that happens. And I really don't know too many white people that I, I just don't know. I, I know there's plenty, but I don't know any that I rock with that don't acknowledge the horrendous history of, of oppression and slavery. There's not, oppression doesn't even, brutality, terrorism, let's say terrorism against um, the descendants of African uh, slaves, okay? So if, if we admit it, then, then maybe we can move forward. Okay, so we admit it, how do we now move forward? That that seems to be my question. Okay. And, and, the, and the other rub, and, and just real quick, the other rub here, Reggie, is when they say the hurt they've inflicted. Let me tell you something, man. I can't think of any time that I have inflicted hurt. Certainly not purposefully. Lord, God knows I have inflicted hurt purposefully on people. But I don't know when I've ever done that against African Americans. I don't know that I have. Maybe I have, but I don't know of it. And so when I hear they, I feel like I'm lumped into a group of people who have victimized and terrorized folks. And, and I just don't, I don't fit the description, man. So it's, it's hard to go along with that. Well, here's the big thing here. One, if it don't fit, you must have quit. I had to go there. I needed to do that. And that's, that, that's the part that really makes me lose all hope is she's not talking about you, George. What she's talking about, though, is those people who have made decisions and created policy throughout generations to ensure that there's an imbalance that takes place in our country. She's not talking about you. There's no way she, she don't know you, all right? What she's talking about is those the people who, through policy, practice, and procedure, decision makers, um, folks with the authority 
and the money and the clout to keep this game tilted against us. That's what's who she's talking. She's not talking about you. She's not talking about your neighbors, right? This, I don't think you wake up. I don't think that I, I don't think you know anybody that wakes up in the morning and decide, let's go out here and oppress some black people. I, I, that, so to, to go there, it to me is almost, and this is not an insult to you because you're not the only person to do it, but it's, it's really and truly, it, it seems like a cop-out because you get to dismiss every single bit of the points before that, right? I mean, it's like, it's like when you say, but they say, you don't, you shoot everything you say before, but is canceled out. Right. That, that's what it seems like. It, it's like you, you, we find that one thing to hone in on and it, it seems to be a personal attack. And then we just dismiss every other thing that she said, what she said, but prior to and around all that. And even within that had merit and value. So it's, it's not about over interpreting. It's not about like moving beyond and, and seeing this as like a direct slight against you as an individual. But that's what happens, right? I, I, I completely and totally understand that. What did she say? I agree 100%. We cannot undo the past, but we should be equal and treated based on their character and skills. This includes everyone, Native American, absolutely. But, but two points here. One, around what she, around that point. First and foremost, how do we get to that equality? If you know I've been hamstring, right? If you know I've been put upon, if you know I, I've had a weight and a, and, and a lead laid upon me for generations, okay, you took it off, but you still up there, way up there, and I'm still back here. How do I get up there with you? Because if, 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 if I don't get a chance to get equal with you at any point, then I'll always be behind, right? But that's one thing around that point. Second, the idea that Every time something happens to a black person, within two or three news reports, it goes from this happened to African-Americans to this happened to people of color. Can we just be like on our own for a bit, just for a minute? I ain't trying to parse myself away from them. I'm not trying to say that other ethnicities don't suffer. But if you look at the dollar that, um, uh, that the, um, I told you, Minnesota did a study where they compared the dollar that, that a white household make compared to every other ethnicity, right? They did this back in the 70s. I, I don't want to misquote it, but they did it a long time ago. And they found that when they went down a tier, it was like this, this pyramid that went down like this, right? And African-Americans and Native Americans were at the very bottom. Well, they did it again in like the 2000s. And everybody else had elevated except for the African-Americans. But when there's a plight put upon, when there's the George Floyd thing, I, I, I hear when it's on the media, people of color, people of color. No, we're talking about black folks. Just right now, can we just isolate that joint and just focus on that? And then let's focus on the next one and the next one. And we can focus on all of them at the same time, but let them recognize the plight that each one of them has gone through. When, when I don't want to go there. I'm pulled out. I'm pulled back. You, then, you, you, you mentioned, you asked me, what do I think equality is? Yeah, so, tell me what, is. what So I told you, what do you think it is? No, I didn't. I'm sorry. I, mean, I, I swear I'm not being flippant or dismissive. You I, know, I told, I told you lady, lady justice, you know, with her, her, a blindfold. She but doesn't I, see color. She doesn't see, she just sees the content of people's character and their, their actions. She doesn't see anything else. So what I'll, do you, I'll extrapolate what you said and say that same level of content of character. Let's translate that into the workplace. Let's translate that into stop yelling at me because a law had to be created in order for somebody to get a job and then make it like I did something wrong to you. Because I remember when I got my promotion, no lie, I got a promotion and became a probation officer. I had people that I thought were my friends 
come up and look me dead in the face, serious as cancer, and say, you know you only got it because you're black, right? I'm like, what? Dad, that's, so how do I respond to that, right? So but, so stop doing that. Let, let, let's take Lady Justice Blinders and put it in that situation and let it be based on merit, not based on uh, nepotism or like systemic ideas of what is right and what is wrong, what's what, what's traditional, what looks best, what's appropriate, right? Let's just let it be based on color. Let's take and translate that into the economic world and allow black businesses to actually first be created and then maintain. And I don't want to hear nothing about they burn down black businesses during the ride. They burn out a lot of business during the ride. They shouldn't have burned down now one of them, in my opinion, right? They, I mean, they, they didn't serve us because it's going to backfire. It, it, well, it ain't going, it has backfired already. Just like Martin Luther King's riot led to Nixon being swept in the office, this is going to lead to something that we will not want to come back from if we can ever come back from. So, my definition of equality is first, let's get on the same level. I don't need you to come down. I'm in no way do I need you to come down. But I think that's what a lot of people assume that when we talk about equality, that means you got to give up something. No, keep yours, G. Hold on to it. But then let me have mine. And actually, give me something that I should have been getting through generational wealth, through the opportunity that my forefather would never allow. To, to Instead of lowering your playing field, how about doing that stuff and lifting that other? So what is the policy that I support to make sure that you're able to get yours? I don't know. Well, see, that we can't do that. We, we, can't, we can't have these discussions and say, I don't know. I'm joking. Go ahead. Oh, okay, go ahead. What I do know is this, one policy ain't gonna get it. So when you ask that, the reason why I say flippantly, I don't know, is because it's not that simple, right? There's a whole lot of policies that need to take place. The first thing that needs to happen is a cleaning, a cleansing of certain areas. Second thing needs to happen is some direct conversation, not just with us, but with yourselves. And what I mean by that is among yourselves about, wow, this stuff really is happening. I don't wanna see that happen anymore. In addition to that, there needs to be some kind of leveling of the playing field. What does that look like in a policy? Well, we talked about it before, and I'm gonna say the bad word, it starts with an R, I won't say it, I won't. But when it comes to that, literally, there's no way for this to get equal until we're allowed to become equal. And that don't mean you gotta give up the station you in. Hell, I wanna, I, I wanna get there. So allow things to get into the black community that would build generational wealth. Actually, if my, if, a lot of if, things that would get into the black community that would actually build systemic wealth. Because at the end of the day, it ain't really ain't about black and white, it's about green. And those who got the green rule. If anyone that I have some degree of authority over asks me to allow them to do something, then there has to be some sort of rule change, some type of change of some sorts that removes that impediment that changes the game. And what I still, I hear the, I hear a lot of rhetoric, but I just don't hear, hear the, I hear a lot of uh, hearts and minds type stuff. And I don't want to dis, I don't want to discredit that or discount that because it's very, very important. Yes. We need to have discussions. My forehead starts sweating a little bit about it. And I'm thinking, so you're saying what I'm saying is rhetoric. You're saying, I mean, this is real. No. That's the insidious nature. Call, of it. Call, it, call it what you want to call it. What I'm asking for is clear policy things that needs to change. Okay, so Cedric just said, here's one, dual citizenship. We should be able to, to do 
Business, he meant to say. Oh, business. Okay. To do business with our native country without, without taxation. Love it. I, I think that's great because I'm a, a, a low tax guy. I want as least amount of taxes as possible. So I choose where I spend my dollar. See, this is the, this is what I'm talking about. I want this type of stuff. I don't want, well, you got to allow us to do it. Okay. How do I do that? Well, you got to admit this. Okay. I've admitted it. I, I mean, where does that leave us? Because I think the frustration is, is when actual policies change, when dollars are thrown behind black colleges, criminal justice reform, unemployment numbers, and all the rest of it, we're saying those are specific things, man. And and what I hear, please correct me, and I hope you do. What I hear, it sounds like you're looking for equality of outcome. And what we need in this country is we need equality of opportunity. There's not going to be equality of outcome that's not going to happen because you said it yourself it's a merit-based system this is why i love sports that's why i hope some get started soon it's truly a merit-based sort of thing no one likes to see a super blown uh, a ball blown on a call by the ref that was bull crap no we want it to be based on the merits who did it who who they both had the equal opportunity they were there at the beginning at the coin toss and what i'm saying is how do we make sure from a policy standpoint that we have equal opportunity so George, that the what, outcomes can be whatever they're going to be? George, so what you're describing, those policies exist. I mean, and, and not all of them, but there's a lot of them that do. And because of the hearts of men, they're not, they have no legs. They have no value. That's why I'm trying to get you to understand. At least I'm not communicating this effectively. I ain't trying to get you. I'm trying to express myself. And I hope I can articulate this correctly. The, the real insidious nature of this systemic oppression is you can't write a law or policy to get them out of it. Because at the end of the day, man has to enact and enforce those policies. And if, if the heart of the man don't change, there's no rule in the world that can force people to actually see me as being equal. Okay. So now I, now I can, I can, I can ride with that. Okay. Because so here's what, so maybe this is the issue for me, Reggie is when I don't have the, the um, ill will against my black brothers and sisters or my Brown brothers and sisters or whomever, I don't have that ill will toward them at all. And when I'm looking for policies, they're already there. Okay, I'm just saying what you said. So it, it may not be complete, but there's a lot there. So it's like, what else do you, so do you hear me? It's what I've been saying the whole time. So what else, what's the next step? I like, I, like, so Cedric, like, I love this. I, I, I'm totally loving this, right? Because you're talking dollars and cents now and I'm with you. So it's like, what other things do we do? And then people got to have conversations. That's what you and I, that's what you and I are doing right now. You, you just answer your own question. Remember, and I ain't gonna throw you under the bus, but the other day we were talking about this, and it, and <laughs> but remember that, but everything comes before the butt's gone. It's coming. It's coming. So, um, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna harken back to that comment I, I wrote down and I'm gonna underline. Wait, I got to answer this. What is your thought on companies that require minority percentages in employment? Shouldn't it just be best candidate? 
In a great world, Tanya, absolutely. But the problem is the hardened minds of men will lean toward whatever their leanings are. And we know throughout history that doesn't include mine. That doesn't include me. That doesn't include, as I'll say it, people of color. Not all the time, but more times than not. Again, there are policies and rules in place that if they, if, if, if it was like, because so shall it be written, so shall it be done, then maybe the playing field might begin to get a little more level. But because those same policies, that paper has to be enacted and played upon by human beings, it has no value. It, it's, it's as useless as the ink on the paper and the paper it was put onto. But I, I want to go back to this one. No one's no one listens to you. That's what you said a little while ago. Yep. The thing is, I need you to recognize your peers do. The folks in your in your area do. And we get a lot of people watching this show from what I found out. A lot of people do. I need you and every other well-meaning, good-hearted person, I don't care what color you are, that don't think about what we go through on a daily basis to think about what we go through. And you ain't got to think about it on a daily basis. But at least start having real tangible conversation with folks who would have a counter-argument. I mean, literally, if that don't happen, if y'all, if, 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 the other, if everybody don't begin to have real dialogue with one another and really talk about it, then it'll all just be kind of this tacit thing. I don't do anything to you. So then why are you talking to me? Well, the thing is, you might be connected to somebody who's in that game of doing something to us. And I don't know if you are or aren't. And even if you aren't, just the fact that look at the suffering of human beings. We spend more time talking about the suffering of animals than we do about African-Americans. I guarantee people in general, people in general. I said, if I, if I were running a, a nonprofit to keep puppies from getting kicked by children, it, bad teenagers, we'd be overrun with money to, uh, to run the nonprofit to serve the kids that might kick a puppy. You, you know, you're broke, <laughs> but, but <laughs> I'm glad you appreciate that. Well, let me tell you. Let me tell you one of the reasons why white people don't want to have that conversation. They're scared as hell to have it. Preach. They're scared to have it, and why? I am not scared to have it. Why are you scared to have it? Because they're afraid to be called racist. This is the worst thing that someone can get called, man. In the uh, as a white person, especially as a white male, when I say no one listens to me, is because when I have a struggle, no one is going to listen to me. They're just going to say, "No, no, let's let's let me just make this broad. Let's say society. You will, man. Lord, I posted a picture the other day leading up to this that you and I talking for an hour and fifty one minutes. And by the way, Rebecca like walked out of the room. She was uncomfortable with us yelling at each other, cussing and fussing at each other. It's a wonder, man. We we love each other, man. But but listen, uh, society doesn't care. I'd like to know what Cedric's input is on this. Society doesn't care about a white male, my age in particular, 43, struggling in any sort of way. They don't care about that. No one cares about that. It's just, well, he's just upset he didn't get his cut. Well, no, I don't have a, what, what if I don't have a job? Well, I'm the only demographic that i know of that actually has a law to keep me out of the workforce it's not merit-based for me i could be the best at something that there is but in the maybe not around where i live in the sticks but maybe in other places where you've got to hit numbers for diversity reasons and i get the arguments for it i don't even want to 
I don't even want to debate that. I mean, I already said that if you and I were to call to get an apartment, I would get it and you wouldn't just based on the sound of our voice. So then, but, but, so then, but people are not going to listen. And then when you look at the suicide rates, you realize that it's my demographic that kills themselves in amazing numbers. It's my demographic. You and I both know when there's a mass shooting, you turn on the television. Who is it? It's someone who looks like me, except they don't have as good uh, hair and, uh, and, and look quite as good. All right. So oh, it's, it's, it's my demographic, man. It's when he, and, and these words have come out of your mouth. And I know just in joking, but, and I always come back to it, just to get a little dig in on you. It's really just what well, he just, he just didn't like his cut. I never, no, man, people, I, people struggle, man. People struggle irregardless. Life is, is suffering. And here's the other reason why people don't want, I, I printed this, <laughs> I printed this up. I printed this up. Uh, this is a, a meme that I think is so asinine going around on Facebook. Here's an example of how white privilege sounds. And mind you, I've been the one trying to convince people that white privilege exists. I did this Saturday night with some friends who just couldn't freaking wrap their brain around it. And I think they got it now. Quit leaning your head, head on your face like I'm boring you to death, too. It's not that. It's just you won't let me get in. I'm going to get in. All right, I'll just, I'm, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it right here, and then you get in. Here, okay, here's an example of how white privilege sounds. You keep saying it's horrible that an innocent black man was killed out just but destroying property has to stop. My, my copy here, the printer, it's all cut off over here, so it's hard to read. You keep saying it's horrible that an innocent black man was killed, but destroying property has to stop. Try saying it's horrible that property is being destroyed, but killing innocent black men has to stop. You're prioritizing the wrong part. You know what? Go to hell. That's stupid. Now, now the freaking word police is going to, you know what? I'll take that a step further. You use the word, but how about the next time you use the conjunction of and to say that both are not okay. We get put in these uh, situations where it's either or out there in this sewer of uh, social media, where if you're upset because a, a woman just got beat with a two by four, or a, a shop got destroyed, then somehow that's ridiculous because a man lost his life. No, it's all ridiculous. It's all ridiculous. And the biggest tragedy of it all is before the first brick was thrown, the first fire was set, man, we were united. And then this thing went to hell quick. That's why white people, well, I don't even want to generalize. That's why this white person feels the pressure I'm to not, not say, not. to not say stuff, mm -hmm. but obviously with a, show on facebook called small talk getting all those hits you were talking about i've overcome that fear oh yeah 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 but i need you to support me even when times where you're like and you do man and i appreciate it even when i might say something that you're like i don't know i don't know part i don't know if you should have said that or whatnot but you still you're still with me and you've watched me evolve in my thinking on things and i've watched you evolve and i think this is how it happens this is how unity happens this is how we fix it go ahead all right so and I'm, I won't counter your argument because you ended it well. And I thank you for that. I do. But I do have to say, I never said about he didn't like his cut. I told you a joke that Dave Chappelle took over. For <laughs> I, real. I get it. That's I get it. Was. I get it. But that sentiment resonates with me, man. I, it, it really it really does. It does. And here's what I'm trying to get at. I want to harken back to this. And I see uh, Miss Tanya. And I thank you, Miss Tanya, for posting and being like genuine, I could feel it in your heart, right? 
But what I want to say to you is this, brother. The the comments that speak to that compare the suffering, right? It 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 it's, it devalues an entire just level of history that that and I don't need to say that mine's worse than yours, right? And I don't need you to say yours worse than mine. What I need you to do is open and and become aware of how really bad it is. Not was, but is. Has it gotten better? Yeah, of course it's gotten better. But it should be far better than where we are right now, right? And okay, I'll, done. I'll, for huh? me, done for me, done. And I would say let, let's let's just say that if I was at let's say a scale of one to ten, like ten would be actually totally self-actualized. you you and I are a hundred percent on together on all of this stuff. I'd say maybe when we met and I was in the backseat of the car and it <laughs> before you know it, we started griping at each other. Maybe we were off. Let's say, let's say for me to come up to where Reggie's at, I might have been at a three, let's just say. And now I bet you I'm at an eight or a nine. <laughs> and a lot of that is just oh, us having God. these conversations. Yes, man. And right. People are afraid people to have it. Right. Like people need to know that we be on the phone. We be yelling, cussing, like we really be at each other sometimes. My head hurts, man. My like my blood pressure was up the last couple of days, man. I'm not even playing. I dude, after I got off the phone with you the other night, after an hour and fifty one minutes, and Rebecca was outside, like seeking shelter, man. I took my blood pressure. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love you, man. I love you. you. And I love you too. And we can agree. Uh, we can disagree and still love each other, man. And that's. That, that's beyond the sub. It goes back to, and I'm going to stick with this uh, uh, over and over again, because there's some, and they say this of themselves, and I won't dispute it, good-hearted, well-meaning folks who don't see color, I need you to start seeing color, but not in some like dr drastic difference or hostility or, or like less than or more than, I need you to recognize that there are differences. And because of that difference, despite what you say, despite how you feel and how you raise your children, there is an entire system that has put upon and damaged communities for generations. And because of that, they have no business, no business even remotely dismissing what's taking place, right? And when it really boils down to it, we, in order to change this, we can put more stuff on paper. But until we address the hearts of men, the, the paper don't mean nothing. Because there's stuff in place now where we find loopholes and gaps and we'll, we'll find other justifications. The fact that you sit here and say that there's a policy that keeps you out of the workforce implies that there's one piece of, there's a pie and there's only so many slices. No, oh, it does not. Well, that's how I took it. I mean, whether you meant it that way, that's how I interpreted it, right? Just like when, when people say things like they and they, you interpret that away for you. I interpreted that that way. As long as we think that there's this finite pie that, you know, there's only so many slices, then everything that's done to try to create equality will always be seen as removing a slice from the pie. Well, you know what? First of all, I think that's pie. That 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 that's the thing. It's and that's in the heart of a man. That's not in a piece of paper. That's not some some legislative legislative thing that you can put out there. Because we can create policy tomorrow that really lead to equality in theory and on paper. And even with that, 
it has to be enacted. It has to be put in place by human beings. And in, in this country, in Western society, oftentimes the dominant culture leans toward itself. And I, I mean, I, I don't even begrudge you in the sense of thinking that everybody's racist when they do it, but I'd say there are a lot of people that are racist that, that take advantage of the system being designed the way it is, right? Until that, until you, not just, I won't say you, but until people have the courage to have conversation, to educate themselves about what it really is and not just deal with the rhetoric, not just say that it's talking points, but really look into it. Because I can't fabricate it and it's not hidden. Like it's really existent in, the, in all of our history books. Even though history is written by the victor, there's still raw, hardcore evidence to support how there was an unbalanced playing field put in place. And that playing field, I mean, so that, that unbalanced nature has led to like all kind of just negative impressions, stereotypes, and, and thoughts about certain people. If you educate yourself first, beyond that, start educating those who don't want to be educated among your group as much as possible. I mean, engage them in dialogue. And third, confront those who want to play upon tropes and stereotypes and, and, and even at that little surface level, maybe like at a level two on our little racial spectrum, get in them, dig in their chest and prevent them from doing it. Or at least make sure they don't ever do it around you. And if enough people with good hearts do that, then those who do it will become exposed. Those who do it will then become isolated and they got to go to their own little clan. And then, sorry for the pun, <laughs> but they'll all be together and then they'll be exposed, right? And we can deal with them once they're out in the open, but it's the ones that sit back and tacitly say, I don't have a problem with other people, but never do anything when they see other people being shut down and mistreated. That's the issue. People often quote Martin Luther King and they say all the stuff about content of his character, yada, yada, you know, little black boys and little white girls and all that stuff from, from that speech. But in his letters from the Birmingham jail, he said that the biggest stumbling block for African-Americans, for the Negro, is not the Klansman. We can deal with that cat. It's the, the tacit support of those who claim to be our allies. That's what, we don't quote that. That, don't, that. that ain't what you see on the news all the regular time. Because the same people who will sit here and tell you, I don't see color, I don't have a problem with nobody. Well, make sure that the people around you are in the same view. And if they ain't, you can't force them to do it, but you can let them know where you stand. You can educate yourself on what it is to have systemic racism instead of keep asking me to tell you, hell, I told you 50 times. But yet what I tell you don't sink because it's not, and I ain't talking about you, so don't don't go there. And maybe I am talking about you. Forget you. I love you still. But literally, educate yourself on what it really is. Not from what me, what I say, not from what Al Sharpton says, but what the history book says, what current issues in our country really are. And then when you see that, make sure you don't act on it. And, and if you see somebody doing it, tear them down. If y'all begin to do that, when I say y'all, I mean the well-meaning people of this country that aren't of the descendants of slaves, I think we'll start moving in the right direction. And those papers that are there, those policies that do exist, may have a little more leg to them and they'll stop being seen as uh, quotas. Because that quota you speak of, it might give uh, African-American an opportunity to be the first person in that position that they wouldn't otherwise have gotten. 
So companies have existed for, for years and they never had people of color in certain positions. Well, that quota you speak of, now move that person into that spot. Now, was that wrong? Did it deny you something? Did it keep something out of your hand? That's back to that pie pimping. And I, I don't care about the pie because there's enough pie to go around if we start to see that. Well, I've created my own pie, so I don't care about the pie either. I really don't mean much care about that uh, whole quota thing. Honestly, for me, it has no effect. And that that is uh, the reality for most folks. They want to know how to, how does it land on their own doorstep. It doesn't affect me at all. But I have empathy for people who say, well, there was one job available, Reggie, one job to be had, and they couldn't get it. You can talk about the pie all day long, but there was one job. And in that one instance, maybe that was a zero-sum game. I, don't, I personally don't even care about it. In fact, uh, given the fact, given the fact that, just go back to the rent example, uh, that I would get the apartment and you wouldn't just based on the sound of our voice, there, there needs to be something, right? There, needs, there has to be some accountability for that type of situation. There has to be. Yeah. Let me add, I want I want to ask you, Reggie, uh, when I was talking about when I was scaling, Cedric says, uh, Reggie's at a 20. To be fair, you're at a three. I'm at a three. <laughs> so tell me what what give me your reaction on that. What's what's uh how's that land on you? I, I think it's comical and it doesn't really matter to me. Do you see some of these comments over here, G Money? I mean, I try to listen. I, mean, I want to be respectful. I'm actually, I'm, I'm really just trying to multitask here, honestly. So what you're trying to do is, is get me to somehow say something about what Cedric said. I, man, Cedric, my brother, I love him too. And Cedric is, is a very, very intelligent man, another business owner. I've watched this man go from uh, working night shift at a place making sure he was providing for his family, but at the same time holding true to his integrity about equity and every bit of like diversity. And he is not ashamed. He's not afraid to hold anybody's feet to the fire when stuff get out of place. If you, well, I, you know, I, I could, I could give some very, put your feet to the fire. I, I could I, give I, some, I'm sorry, go ahead. I could give some very uh, concrete examples, which, uh, you me, being my brother, you you would know what they are of why I'm not a three. And if I'm a three, then there's not one damn bit of hope. You go ahead, bring it right back to where you were before. If I'm at a three with what I've done with my life, then there there really is no hope. Honestly. Do I, do favor. We're bigger than that. Get out your feelings. Get out your feelings, G. <laughs> I'm not. It, 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 know it's, 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 it's the... It's really because I started this off. I started this little segment, if you will, about why it is that white people are either afraid to or hesitant or whatnot to talk about these issues. Obviously, I'm not. But some of that hesitancy, it's just what I believe about white people. I, I don't speak for all white people. I don't speak for all white people at all. Um, but it is a it is a minefield. You and I both know it's a minefield. It is, that's and, that's why our conversation that's why your conversation and mine on that one hour and 51 minutes will sound a little bit different than what this one sounds like because it it's an it's an absolute mindfield all right said i appreciate a little love there you bumped me up to five just like that you realize cedric i love my boy and i i don't even know what was going on there because i really didn't pay attention he said no but, but really you know the other thing i was thinking is that when we sign off of here when i go about town and i love it it's funny i I told you, Reggie, about walking into Lowe's one night about 10 minutes before it closed, and I hear over the loudspeaker, George, 
small talk over the speaker. I love it. It's, it's absolutely hilarious to hear that. Like it's starting to get to the point where I don't bring up this show to anyone. No one. Mm. I don't want to be that guy. Hey, did you see small talk? Hey, watch small. Talk. I don't do that at all. I don't talk to anybody about it. But people will talk to me about it. And you know what happens every single time? Mm. Man, I love that Reggie guy you got on there. That guy's great. He's awesome. Well, hey. And then what do I hear from you? What do I hear from you and your quote unquote people, family, whatever? Man, I don't know about that guy. I don't know about that guy. What the hell is that? Because George, you got to. We're going to change the name of this too. It's not going to be small talk. It's going to be the Prince George. This is my brother Reggie Prince. If you didn't know his last name, the <laughs> Prince George Show. Here, and, and what you got to realize is, George, the comments you make are uh, authentic, genuine, and from your heart. And I take a man and I ingest them as what they are, which is your opinion that's open for debate. And has changed. And, and just like mine, just like mine. There's some yep. stuff I've said to you, I'm sure, if it, it, it just kind of set people in a different direction. But um, you, you, I'm open. I'm willing to listen. I, I'm not going to give, I'm not going to like acquiesce my, 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 my positions, my blackness to appease people. I did that for too many years, man. Way it's too so many. disrespectful, man. I don't want to be handled with kid gloves and yeah. I don't want to handle anyone else with that. Like I want to be, a, I'll meet Re uh, Cedric at some point, I'm sure, but I want to just go ahead and let, let's just have it out. And hopefully at the end, we just be friends. That's like, that's respectful to me, man. Yeah. 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 I mean, to me too. And at this time, then you know this, and we've had conversations. You felt the energy. I felt the energy from you. We have worked each other's last nerve. <laughs> the thing is though, it'll never get better if we can't do that. Right. If I can't see you as the human being that you are, who go out of your way to like, I remember in Mississippi, you went out of your way to make sure I was comfortable. You didn't gain nothing from that. You wasn't getting nothing. I mean, sure, my brother grilled for you, and he grilled pretty good, right? You know, that corn, that corn chowder was something else. I mean, the corn, a uh, little little thing was something else. But he's a hard man, but I like him a lot. You saw me in pain, and if somebody you genuinely cared about, you went out of your way to try to ease my my pain, George. I'm telling you, um, I know you do that for other people. I just need people like you to begin to recognize that same kind of pain. Is almost a daily occurrence for some people in, in your country and some people that you actually care about. And and but not just on some anecdotal level. Now I want to talk about some, you know, some uh lighthearted rhetorical discussion. Just read about it, man. I mean, there's a lot of well-meaning people who really go out of their way to like search out information. Search this information out and share that information among yourselves. I don't need you to have a conversation every single day, but I need you to have a conversation. At some time, call up some friends, right? What did, what did Killer Mike say? I need to go home and talk to 10 of your friends. That's what I need you all to do among yourselves and talk amongst yourself about, wow, this is bad. Yes, the riots is wrong. Beating that lady is wrong. I get that. But do you realize that beating that lady, that's a video that occurred that was horrible and horrendous and there's uh, about as many videos of 10 times more of other people getting the living devil beat out of them. Yet, why do we have to parse out which one's worse? That that and that's what we do. But I tell you why: because we need to feel comfortable. What's happening right now is fearful on a lot of levels for a lot of different people. But for a lot of people that got a comfort zone, it's in even more heightened fear because it seems as though this stuff can go anywhere in any given time, and there's no way possible, no way we're going to deal with this. And so, 
let's do the, the John Wayne talk about, get the military out there, do this, do that. So you, you're saying that we should enact our military to potentially take the lives of our citizens over property? They shouldn't be doing it. They need to stop. If I could stop them right now, I would go and do it my, myself, literally. I'm big enough. I can stop a few. I'm telling you it needs to stop. But And, and even to say that, okay, but realize the, the, the sentiment behind that. Realize what that's saying. It's saying that human life don't matter. And, and then you can take and move that over because in, in my community, we felt that way about our own forever. If I hear one more person talk to me about Chicago or black on black crime, I'm going to pull what little left of my hair I got coming out. There's no such thing as black on black crime because it's people on people crime. White folks kill white folks. White folks commit crimes against white folks. Asian people commit crimes against Asian folks. You commit crimes against people. But that's that's another beast piece of rhetoric I'm starting to see float around. So, and the fact that you have to pull that out means that you are looking for some means and justification for that thing that you don't want to admit you feel in your heart. That thing that you want to acknowledge that you've always felt. And that ain't my business, that's yours. It ain't my job to, to alleviate your guilt, white liberal. It's not. It's not my job to make you feel better and, and about recognizing my oppression. I appreciate you doing that. Go have that conversation with a bunch more folks. It's not my job also to somehow align with something that I know ain't in my best interest when it comes from the conservative side of the fence. It's not. What, what it is is my job to now unashamedly, unabashedly speak to my truth. My truth is I know as much as I didn't want to admit it when I was young, this won't get better without someone's help. And that someone has to come from the dominant culture. And if there's so many of y'all that are so well-meaning and don't see color and want to see the equity, and I get it's wrong what they did. And I'm not saying that to qualify. I don't condone damaging and hurting other people in any way, shape, or form. I don't care how it comes across. But if it, if you really feel that you have that in you, stop sitting on the sideline, cuz. Get in the game. And getting in the game means learn about it so you can speak to it with knowledge and let it internalize it so you can recognize you don't have to take ownership of it if you didn't do it but if you know that it exists and other people are then you can take action again well you know i'm not going to take ownership of it if i didn't do it that's for sure well, no. that's that's going to rub will be just like it's been dismissed over and over again as rhetoric you look at me like i'm like politics I'm man Dude, I'm going to tell you now, that whole thing, the reason why I don't speak about the plight of the Negro because I'm sick of somebody looking at me with sympathy. I don't need your sympathy. What's that going to do for me? Nothing. What I need is you to see me as a man, a man who's capable, right? A man who is equal in all ways. Maybe not all, because I'm way bigger than you. You know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, I need you to stop with the, the, the thing about I don't see color. I don't do this. I get it. That's cool. I love you. Thank you for that being that way. But I need you to see color for a little bit because I need you with your good heart to go and stop other folks that look like you that don't live like you. That's what I need. That's the first thing that, that needs to occur. And then with that, then I'll come back to you with some legitimate hard and fast policies outside of the ones that currently on paper that have no meaning whatsoever. All right. Well, I want those hard and fast policies because I think we're... Uh... I think the conversation could benefit 
we could we could really benefit from hearing that. And and then uh, I w- I do want to address one thing. Nisha says here, George, you didn't know this, but when we trained in Georgia, and it was you, me, and Richard, it was fine when you left and Richard and I went to dinner, we dealt with some looks, rudeness, and judgment. So here's two people sitting who are different races sitting at a table together and they got some looks, rudeness, and judgment. Of course. Of course. Like that, that that's an obvious thing that's going to happen, right? So I go to, um, I mean, I'm not trying to uh, minimize this or anything, but that's, that's just going to happen in this world. I went to Jacksonville one time to do a training class, and it just so happened that someone, uh, a young African-American girl that lived in our house for a while, we did life with her. She went on a mission trip with us. She called me her white daddy. She loved me. I love her. Our family loves her to, to pieces. I went up to do a training in Jacksonville, went and picked her up. Uh, she had, like, blue hair. Um we we went to Chili's or Applebee's, one of those restaurants. We're sitting there. I got a shirt and tie on just out of class, and she's sitting there. Um, with her black and she has blue hair and I'm, I'm getting looks left and right. Could you imagine that? That's, that is that scenario that Nisha just, uh, explained on steroids. Um, but there's ignorance all around that restaurant. I just, I don't know. I just don't, I don't care. It's not right, but I understand that that type of thing is, is going to happen. And it didn't affect, it didn't affect me at it didn't affect me at all. I don't even know that it affected her at all. We left there, took her to the store, gave her a cart, said, go get whatever you want. I, I want to be able to be helpful to you. Uh, Cause she needed help, man. She needed help. And I wanted to be able to help her. Enjoyed what I'm yes. And, and, and Nisha's right. It shouldn't happen, but we live in a broken world. The, the first two human beings the true human beings, according to the to the Bible, whether you believe it's allegory or you believe it's real, was 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 uh, Cain and Abel born on this planet, and one killed the other. I mean, th- we live in a oh, horrendous world. There, there's there's if you are part of the LGBT community, in in some countries are going to march you to the top of a building and throw you off of it. Right. I mean, there's there's all kinds of horrendous injustice going on around the world. We got some looks at a restaurant, but man, I can live with that. Shouldn't happen, but I can live with it. I got you. My thing is don't don't. Hey, you say what you want. Just don't put your hands on me. That's my that's my thing. thing, though. That's the thing. The putting the hands on me thing is over. That was the 50s and the 60s. That's the dog. That's the hoses. Now, again, it's more insidious. It's. A group of white people showing up with guns, screaming and yelling while we're under the pandemic in somebody's face. And there's not a movement or a shutter. And then a group of people standing outside of a precinct yelling and screaming and they get a rubber bullet shot at them. I'm telling you, it's not just that's the way it is, because that's what keeps us where we are. It has to be when you get them dirty looks, when somebody says something funny, say something to them. Literally get in. Well, I was in line this morning at the DMV. And some guy was talking, he's an older guy, he's freaking cramming for finals, this guy. And I don't know, he starts talking and went to politics and said something about, I'm voting for Trump. And, you know, I'm not voting for those Democrats. He's like, uh, it's just all the blacks are going to vote for them anyway, or something like that, he said. And uh, I let him know very clearly that um, that that I, I, I do not want to hear that. It is absolutely not about that. And uh, 
you know, that, that kind of ended the conversation, which was kind of cool because I didn't really feel like talking to him anyway. I'm just standing out there on the sidewalk. So it, it was almost like, hey, man, I appreciate the opportunity because uh, this I, I really don't feel like talking to you right but now. But imagine this. If that same man who had the freedom because y'all look alike and it had in his heart that you would agree with him, it, you shut him down. If every other person who don't believe what he says don't condone him and look at him, you ain't got to be abrasive. You ain't got to beat him up. I hope you would. But you ain't got to, you know what I'm saying? Just say to him, no, enough's enough. It's done. Do you know what those people have been through? Then what would happen? Let's take a stab at that and see what, what does happen. That from the next week, from now to next Tuesday, we won't even talk about this on Thursday. From now to next Tuesday, every person watching, every person with an earshot of this, if you are a white person, if you see some kind of discrimination, if you hear some off-color joke, if you hear somebody talk about them animals, because it's easy to start putting labels in turn, you stop them and you confront them. And I will do the same. If I hear some of my own people sitting around trying to find ways to lump white folks together, to try to criticize and 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 make disgusting off-color comments, I'll do the same. I challenge black people to do it. I challenge white folks to do it, but mainly I challenge white folks. Because I'm telling you, if enough of y'all do it, y'all got a voice. You say no one listens to you. Bruh, they had gangs of people show up on the state capitol. And something changed like really fast after that. If them same dudes with those guns were standing outside that precinct for um for George Floyd, guarantee you, I don't, I don't, I don't think it would have been too many rides after that. I mean, like literally, because well, there wouldn't have been the response from the police even after that man's death. We got a, a police uh, union president here. This cat put out a letter saying he gonna get them their jobs back. Did you know that? No, I didn't. So uh, that's what I'm trying to tell you. And that piece won't get reported. But our, the, the union president for the police federation in Minneapolis, Minnesota, put out that he's going to get their jobs back in a statement. The, what's what's the response of the world to that? She said, "I think the problem with problem white people have is that we want to be compassionate or find a way to relate to this problem, and in fact, we can't. It's about empathy. It really and truly is. You ain't got to walk in my shoes, but you can see how I feel, right? Right. I mean, that, that's really what it boils down to. I mean, like, but anyway, I ain't, I ain't gonna count on anybody there because I thank everybody that had the courage to put. I, I think, I think, uh, I think to solve that problem that that she just po posted there is, um, I will tell you, Reggie, I am not going to try to relate to the plight of uh, black men and women in this uh, this country. I'm not going to do it because I can't. It feels disrespectful. I want to stand back and I want to look at it as objectively as I can and acknowledge the, 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 the pain and the atrocities and the, I actually like the word terrorism against uh, my black brothers and sisters. Let me just acknowledge that and fight as hard as I can against that type of thing happening again. But I can't relate to it. It's, it's that idea of accurate empathy, right? I yeah. can't I can't walk a mile in your shoes, man. I can't. Mm. But you can I have, can't even you can have the, the level of humanity and compassion to want to know what it's like to walk in my shoes. Not to have experienced it, but to know to the history 
and, and, and to not dismiss and discount rules that were put in place to try to create equity, to not dismiss and discount the, the real like unlevel playing field that exists. When you stop and think about the fact, my son posted something the other day and it made me start crying. I've been crying a lot lately. I'm soft with baby poop, I'm gonna be honest with you. But I, I, he posted a thing just yesterday, actually, because he, he was down in Mississippi, and somebody had said, When was the time you had a when was the first time you had a black teacher? And he posted a thing that said, I still hadn't. Now that just that alone, in and of itself on the surface, seems benign, right? It's education. But here's the deal. If I never see somebody that looks like me in front of me teaching, right? then I, I can never have the aspiration to be a teacher because we learn by what we observe, right? That's social learning. I, I, I see things modeled for me. I find some value in them and I try to embrace them and take them on and move forward. If I never see that, then I'll never aspire to be it. So then that problem just persists. And why is it a problem? Because then those who actually are in that role often have that passive trait of, I don't see color. I don't have issues. Well, when you don't see color, you don't see the pain. When you don't see color, you don't see the suffering. When you don't see color, you don't see every bit of anchors that have been placed on me and mine. And that ain't helpful. It don't make you a bad person, but it means that you are not, there's no way you can fully understand or even want to attempt to understand what it really means to have been put in that position. And so just, that's just an example of systemic racism. The fact that, and that ain't everywhere, because you go to the South, you got black teachers everywhere. I mean, like, let's be honest. But like here in this state, the fact that we have such a small population of minority teachers and an even infantile population of African-American teachers means that that problem will, that, that, that I wouldn't even call it a problem, that circumstance will persist. And as long as that persists, I don't know if I can get every child to invest in education. But then you say it's the parents' fault, right? That's the first response that usually comes out. The parents should be doing more. My parents did, my parents did. Well, if that parent has been shortchanged on their education because of the generational issues that have taken place, and their parents have been shorted on their education, and their parents didn't even have the opportunity for an education, then how could you expect through years of, of that system, that kind of a, a situation, for individuals to then turn around and all of a sudden see value in education? Hell, I look at situations now when, when we we sent kids home and they had to jump on the internet, parents were terrified to even look at their kids' homework because they themselves couldn't even complete their work when they were in school. That's systemic racism. And there's something that needs to be done about that problem. But it starts with the hearts of men. The Germans call it the Mensing Bill. It is the manner, the way of being for a person, the heart of a man. And that will be changed, maybe not changed, but we can begin to challenge those people who have bitter hearts, who have deceitful hearts, who have biased hearts. And that only happens. I can do it. Hell, I do it all the time. Right. But it'll have way more value because they're more accessible to white people. Because and you know what I'm talking about. That cat who will make some really kind of jacked up comment about somebody that don't look like them and then try to make a joke out of it. Right. Stop. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. I I told you that uh, one of my southernisms when we had that one was uh, many truths are spoken in jest. Oh, uh, what, what did you say, Tanya? What, but why has he not seen a black teacher when we hear things like we feel that we as whites are being blamed? 
Tanya, I thank you for that. I'm not blaming you though, ma'am. I'm not. I'm just saying that that system exists. Can we do something to break it? You didn't do that, Tanya. I know doggone well that you would have done something different if you had the opportunity. Just by your post here, I can feel your pain. And your pain is the, and I'm just interpreting, you can redefine this for me. But the pain in this is the idea that you know you wouldn't harm a soul, you wouldn't bust a grape at a wine factory. And yet, at every turn, it seems as though you're being blamed for something that exists. And that's got to, that, I know that's frustrating. That, that's irritating. It's, it, it's hurtful, even. And it, it, it leads to resentment. Tell you, I'm not telling you, you did that. I promise you, you didn't. There's no way. You ain't live in Minnesota. But the fact that that still exists is still a fact. And because it exists, it leads to a lot of things that have ripple effects. It's like you drop a stone in the water. And, and that's one of the biggest stones, right? They say education is the key or one of the keys to wealth. Well, there's a system in this state that has been designed to really isolate and disenfranchise several groups, not just the black folks, but especially black folks. And when I say that, I, I can go to more detail, but I can't because I got it's we've been on here an hour and Man, we've been on here for a long time. But let me let me just say that I keep hearing people say, vote. Like that's the answer. And, and I'm going to tell you that with 25 out of 26 cities that are on fire being ran by uh Democrat no. administrate. No, no, no. Listen to me. Listen to okay, me. I'll Dem Democrat Democrats. And then Democrats are saying vote. Right. Or let's say in a situation where the, the Republican party is running things and things are going awry and the Republicans say vote for us. But what I'm saying is, Vote is not the answer. Vote more Democrats. Vote more Republicans. That I don't think that that's the answer. That's definitely not it. Like I, I want our leaders to come up with something much better, a better solution than go vote. I want you to vote, and I want you to vote. I want you to vote for you. I don't want you to vote for Republican or Democrat. I want you to vote for your interests. That's what I want you to do. But that's not the answer. Nah. Uh, we, so how we, wrap up, George? I like yeah, uh, All right, here's what I want. Here's how I want to wrap this up. What What have you seen in the last week that gives you uh, some hope? Actually, I've seen a lot. And talking about this, even in front of company, has made me come to realize. I mean, I've seen a wealth of people from all different backgrounds come together, whether it's among the protesters and even amongst the rioters. The, 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 this thing doesn't seem to have color in, in a lot of different ways in the sense of the support or the rage that's associated with it. Now, I get that there's been some the actions of the riders that actually led to that divide. Yeah, yeah, I get that. And yet that's one thing that brings me hope, especially on the protester side, that there's a level of diversity among those who are coming together to, one, rebuild that community, to protect that community, to, to really talk about what exists. I get that, right? And hell, even Antifa and the white supremacists was on the same team for a little while. I mean, come on now, it's bringing people together. We just gotta guide that togetherness. Another thing that brings me hope is people like Nakiva, I don't wanna miss, Nakima Levy, a lady here in town who, you know, she might get put upon at times and folks may try to, you know, label her a certain thing, but I, I, I've gained so much respect for her. Folks like um, Cross, um, Titus Dean, 
who, I mean, every day he was out there doing something positive every day. I, my son wanted to do something. So I texted him. I said, man, tell me something positive Jake can do. He said, man, come down here because we're giving out food over here on the corner. The next day they were somewhere else. I've seen so many African-Americans and not just the normal folks who are out there talking about let's have some peace and all that stuff, right? The folks who've been propped up and put out there under the same guys and mission. I've seen so many young advocates step forward that you can criticize Black Lives Matter as much as you want. I don't care. They have not organized. It's not just some rambling rhetoric. It is literally a platform now. I've seen a lot of people come together. I know the ride separated us, but that's a choice we're making. That stuff is quelled here in, in the Twin Cities. It's over. Like we had a night of silence, and I'm sure that's going to continue. Our, our um, what do you call that? Our, our National Guard has, has dialed back. They haven't completely stepped down, but they've dialed back significantly. I watched the guy on the news from the National Guard say, We support you. I've watched cops take a knee. I watched the sheriff in Michigan march with him, say, We don't want to have a protest. We want to have a parade, right? There's so much hope out there. We need to pay attention to that and stay the hell off Twitter. Don't log into Facebook unless you I mean, scroll past stuff that even remotely looks incendiary and talk to the people around you. And there's more people talking to like we, we got a lot of people making comments, black and white on here tonight. And I, I appreciate the courage. That's yeah, there's uh, there's there's been by my count here on Facebook. And by the way, our timer has restarted here as well on my screen. So uh, I don't I don't know what that means about what's happening on Facebook right now. I hope people are still with us. But uh 134 comments tonight, and I'm sure that the we'll probably have more views than we've ever had, and probably more downloads than ever. And that's not what it's for. Listen, we'd be having this conversation anyway. If we were after that, then we'd have made sure we had a cute little 35 minute podcast. So um, I I will agree with all of that stuff. Um, what what has given me a lot of hope is a lot of the faith leaders that I've seen on television um, out there just really. You mentioned the food that's being given away. When I saw the other day some um, footage of some ladies just setting up a gosh, uh, all kinds of food for people in the community to come out there in the middle of the street and get taken care of. All that's amazing. So uh, all that's beautiful, and um, I, I really, I really hate the fact that at a time in our nation where we need to be able to retreat to the place that we have always in our history retreated in times like this to find comfort. And that's the church that those churches are closed. What a horrible thing in my viewpoint. So I am looking forward to what gives me hope is more churches opening and people being together. And, and, and quite frankly, Reggie, you and I being able to have this conversation tonight uh, gives me hope as well. So, and, uh, and, and Tanya just said, both of y'all give us hope. Uh, your friendship and honesty is inspiring and and I hope it is. That, that's, that's why we take time to do this because if it don't make dollars, it don't make sense, Reggie. And I know you and I ain't getting no dollars for this. And damn sure ain't getting no sense. <laughs> and, and to be clear, when I say nobody listening to me, I'm, I'm saying because I say that honestly, because like our numbers compared to Joe Rogan's 190 million downloads uh, doesn't even compare. But I will still say that we in our 17 or 18 episodes and we committed to a hundred, we have done more good in the world the than, than the view. Absolutely. 
and I got to go. Away. All right, man. Hey, you done told the world we're not going to be talking about this on Thursday. So uh, you're going to have to let me know what we are talking about. I'm sure something will come up when I'm on the phone with you tomorrow. That's for sure. So uh, we appreciate everyone hanging in there with us. And we will see you all on Thursday night on Facebook Live, 8 p.m. In the meantime, if you want to listen to this again, go to YouTube. Check it out there. Go to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. We're out.